This is the IDP After Show. The IDP Madness Tournament Draft is hot right now, with 144 different teams all competing for a prize pool of $500. If you're in this tournament, you're really, really excited to see what happens. And if you're not in this tournament, I'm sure you're going to want to know what the strategy is for some of the top drafters competing in this big draft. So we're going to talk about it. I'm your host, Evan Ronda, and I am joined for the first time, and hopefully not the last time, by another Evan, Evan Ringler, as we will now call the Younger King. I, I feel like that that might need some workshopping, Ev, but I'm I'm really excited to have you on the show. Evan is the analytics intern for Player Profiler, and let me tell you, this guy knows what he is talking about. So, Evan, welcome to the show. I'm so glad to have you here. And the first thing that I wanted to chat about with you is what your strategy was going into this draft. Thankfully, we were not in the same draft together, so I didn't have to deal with you sniping all my players like you did the last time we were in a league together. So before we really break down which players we did take, what was your general thought process going into this thing? Yeah, so my general th thought process was D-line early, linebacker in the middle, and DBs late. But of course, that strategy is flexible, and I wanted to let the draft board fall to me. Yeah, man, I think that's probably the ideal way to do it. Obviously, we had that article written by DJ Kelton earlier talking about the hit rates of players and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, that's that was kind of my general thought process going into it, too. You know, looking for dual eligible guys was important, but not wanting to reach on anyone either. So I ended up, of course, getting the 111 because that seems to be the only draft spot that I randomly get. You said you got the the 106. Was that correct? Yep. Awesome. So I, I don't know if you see it this way, but I kind of see it as like a tier of five defensive linemen at the top of the draft. Were you fortunate enough to get one of those guys or did you have to settle for someone else? I was. I was not very happy when I got the 106. Uh, I figured I would be stuck with Roquan probably, but someone took him ahead of me, so I ended up getting Max Crosby. That's awesome, too. I feel like Max Crosby, like, I don't know if I have a huge preference between any of the guys in that top tier, but if there was a guy that I would love to have, Max Crosby is definitely one of those guys that I feel super, super safe about. I don't really see much of an injury risk for him. He has an extremely high snap floor. So Max Crosby, I feel like at the 106, man, I, I'm already going to kind of nervous. I feel like you're going to get that 500 before I do. For me, I had the 111, and I definitely did not have any chance of getting one of those guys in the top tier, but I didn't want to take a linebacker either. And so that next group of defensive linemen of like Aiden Hutchinson, Brian Burns, Hassan Reddick, Jalen Phillips, I was kind of looking at one of those guys. And Hutchinson and Burns went before me. So I was really looking at Reddick and Jalen Phillips. And I was really hoping that I could get Reddick and Jalen Phillips. And I figured it was more likely that Phillips fell than Reddick did. So I took Reddick. Now, Phillips did not fall. He went immediately after. So I had to settle, settle for uh, Kayvon Thibodeau at the 202. But all the way down to the 207, who did you end up getting there? What was your kind of thought process there going into your next pick? Well, there really wasn't much thought process because I got super lucky and got Jalen Phillips at the 207. Oh my goodness, dude. Should never happen, but very fortunate. 
Okay, so I'm very nervous. You started off your draft with Max Crosby and Jalen Phillips. I I should have just quit the draft if I saw that. I think I don't think I was made aware of that until quite a bit later, but that is that already sounds like a start that is going to be in contention for one of the best in the entire tournament. So let's go ahead and jump on into the third round now. Who are you looking at at the uh, at the 306? Well, I ended up taking Bobby Wagner. It was kind of a I saw it as kind of a dead zone where there was a huge uh, tier of running back or of linebackers that I wasn't super interested in, in all of them, but I want, I knew I had to take one. So I took Bobby. I started a giant linebacker run of, it was like 16 of the next 17 picks were linebackers. So I was the one that started that run. So that always feels good. And I got Bobby Wagner who has a super high floor and also one of my favorite players. Yeah, Seahawks fan Evan Ringler out here, and I got the DK Metcalf jersey up behind me in solidarity, I guess, if you'll say that's the right word. Um, I do kind of like that term, the dead zone. Obviously, we hear that commonly used with running backs on the offensive end of players that get bumped up by ADP simply because people are recognizing there's a scarcity at the position and i kind of feel like that also does apply to linebackers here so i'll give you i'll give you some credit there coining that term and yeah getting the first guy in a run of players always feels good so getting bobby wagner there when all the other linebackers start getting taken afterwards that's definitely a good position to be in so three rounds in a row i'm really jealous of the guys that you got there now for me i was really just looking for value with my third pick at the 311, obviously still looking for defensive linemen, but now I'm kind of wondering where the value is at. A lot of defensive linemen got taken ahead of where I wanted. I was really hoping for Josh Allen or Alex Highsmith, but they both got taken. And so I was looking at Justin Simmons or Uchenna Nwosu or maybe Christian Wilkins, DeForest Buckner. I ended up going with Justin Simmons simply because his ADP is the highest of the bunch. And so he doesn't typically make it that far. And so that's kind of what I was looking at is I wanted to get guys that fell farther than they typically do. And that's just what I went with Justin Simmons. I think he's going to be pretty solid on that defensive line with Harold Landry back. We'll see what he does. I think really at the end of the day, it's going to come down to sack upside and Justin Simmons. I know he's not dual eligible. I know he's an interior defensive lineman, but simply getting him at the three eleven seemed like value enough for me. And that was basically all the thought process I put into it. Now, with the fourth round pick, right, Christian Wilkins and DeForest Buckner went immediately after that. I ended up going Uchenna Nwosu. Now, that was before he got his contract extension, and that doesn't really apply to what he's going to do this season. But he's dual eligible. I believe he has a really high tackle floor, but also has some good sack upside on a defensive line that I think is kind of underrated. They added Draymond Jones. They've still got Uchenna Nwosu. I was actually thinking about this earlier today as I'm finally starting to draft in like somewhat normie leagues. I've been doing IDP all off season and now I'm kind of starting to transition my brain over into getting ready for some of my home league drafts. I'm thinking what defense is a defense I want to take in the very last round? Like what defense is kind of sneaky good this year? And I'm thinking the Seahawks defense is actually going to be really good uh, with Reek Woolen. And now they have, I mean, he's kind of holding out, but Devon Witherspoon, like that's going to be a really good corner duo. They have Bobby Wagner coming back. I know that's kind of taking a little tangent off. I'm putting on the spot. Do you feel like the Seahawks defense is going to be one of the, one of the better defenses in fantasy this year? Yeah. I'm super excited to watch them play. Uh, most people 
don't realize this, including myself, but they, they were actually top five in sack rate last year, which is super surprising considering how poor that D-line was. Uh, they still put up a lot of sacks. And, um, you know, they, they added Bobby Wagner back. That's a huge addition for the running game and Draymond Jones. So they're, they're going to be so much better against the run this year and spent a top five pick on Devon Witherspoon. What more could you ask for? Exactly, man. And they get to play the Cardinals and the Rams twice a year. So I feel like if you're looking for a defense that's going to get some sacks and some interceptions for some spike weeks, if you, even if you're just streaming them, that that's got to be pretty exciting. So I don't remember who they play week one. You probably don't have that the off the Rams, count. I believe. Well, there you go. Maybe that's a good week one streaming defense. Who knows? Um, yeah. But this is an IDP podcast, so we don't need to worry about that. Um, your round four pick, right? So you started off with Max Crosby. Amazing. Jalen Phillips, even more amazing. Bobby Wagner starting the linebacker run. Uh, what did your fourth round pick look like? Yeah, so I was between two players, Uchenna Nwosu and Jeffrey Simmons, who both were very, very good values in the fourth round. Yeah, I seriously. I ended up taking Nuosu, and so that, that gave me two uh, dual designation players, which is amazing, and two of my first four picks being Seahawks. Got to love that. That's awesome, and I'm very jealous that the two players you were considering taking later on in the fourth round were the two guys that I had taken already, so obviously there's some great value there. How about your fifth round pick? How did the, how did the board end up stacking going on into the fifth round? Well, you're not going to like this because I got Jeffrey Simmons in the fifth round. (laughs) That's not, that's not fair, dude. What the heck? (laughs) Oh my gosh. I'm getting less and less confident about this draft. The more we talk about it. So there really wasn't much thought process that needed to happen there. You just got some insane value, huh? Yep. Same thing with the Jalen Phillips pick. I, I had no choice there. Yeah. Well, (laughs) this this podcast is falling apart as my mental state deteriorates but i do feel like i got some decent value with my fifth round pick i went chase young at the 511 i'm not as stoked about that as i'm sure you were getting jeffrey simmons in the fifth but he went later than he typically does according to his average draft position so i thought i needed to to take him and i've kind of been sneaky high on chase young he's like not a guy that i'm reaching for by any means but I just really think the market's too low on him. I know everybody believes he's either a bust or he hasn't proven anything yet, but I just think he's been really unlucky with injuries and he's on a really good defensive line. I feel like defensive lines that have a lot of talent have a high sack rate and a high sack rate really helps all players have good spike weeks here and there. So I went chase young at the five eleven just because I, you know, I'm a believer in the, the, the location and the talent. And so after Chase Young went, I finally took my first off-ball linebacker at Dre Greenlaw at the 6-2, which is later than I've seen a lot of other people take him. I think I saw, who was that? Mike Wollert, I think, got him in the third round, which I feel like is reasonable. Um, but I took him in the sixth round because I was looking for an off-ball linebacker. I knew I needed a couple, and I think he's he's a really safe asset. I feel like Dre Greenlaw is like the easiest just chalk for solid tackle floor and some good spike weeks every single season, as long as he's healthy. So I, I took him there pretty simple, but how'd your sixth round, let me guess you got, you got like TJ Watt in the sixth round or something. <laughs> um, I was, I was looking to get another D lineman here in the sixth. I was between Cam Hayward, uh, Greg Russo, Dexter Lawrence, and went with Cam Hayward. 
Uh, I'm, I'm just hoping I can get one more good season out of him before he falls apart because that's got to be coming soon. <laughs> I, I was kind of close. I got a Steelers defensive lineman. Dude, I love Cam Hayward. So I'm a Steelers fan. Not the most diehard. I'm by no means a Yinzer. But man, Cam Hayward is probably one of the most slept on interior defensive linemen out there. Like uh, Grady Jarrett's probably up there on the list too. Not that the, any of this is relevant. I just, the shadow of Aaron Donald is so large that so many of these other guys don't get the the love that they need. But man, Cam Hayward, he's going to be good for your team this year. Where did he go in my draft? Let's see. Uh, working backwards, Cam Hayward. I could search this up, but that would be too easy. And I'm on my computer. Uh, I'll find it later. He probably went about that range, but that was your sixth round pick. How about your seventh round pick? Yeah, in the seventh, I I went to that Washington defensive line that we were talking about earlier. I think that line is going to be very, very good this year, and I want as many pieces as possible. So I, I took Montez Sweat with the 706. I love that. Man, we <laughs> it's crazy how much overlap we have on our teams because I also took Montez Sweat in the seventh round. I decided I wanted to stack Washington edge rushers. Now, there is absolutely zero data that I've seen that validates this belief other than my imagination, which is pretty good. It's good enough, I think, in order for me to feel like it's a good strategy. But if you have two players on the same defensive line and that defensive line has a high pressure rate and a high sack rate, I feel like the, the likelihood that both of those players are just better than expectation is pretty high. In theory, it makes sense. Uh, I'll have to do some research after this season to see if it actually works out. But yeah, I snacked Washington guys. I got Chase Young and I got Montez Sweat at the 7-Eleven. So finally, I got some more value on a guy than you did, but uh, it doesn't make <laughs> me feel any better about you getting Jeffrey Simmons in the fifth round. And after Montez Sweat in the 7-Eleven, I grabbed one of my favorite later linebacker targets in Eric Kendricks. I still don't know why he's going as late as he is. I feel like most players, if they have one down year, they usually get a lot more grace. But Eric Kendricks had one down year, went to Los Angeles, and now he's an eighth-round linebacker. That doesn't really make sense to me, especially considering that Drew Tranquil, who I don't believe is anywhere near as talented as Eric Kendricks, just came off a, depending on your scoring format, but a, like a top five or a top ten linebacker season, just with the sheer amount of volume on that defense. So I'm really hoping that Eric Kendricks can be a really, really productive linebacker for me. And I got him in the eighth round. So that seems pretty good. Uh, how about you? What, what did your eighth round pick look like? Yeah, I love the Eric Kendricks pick. Um, I think maybe some people see him as kind of boring, but you're right. Drew, Drew Tranquil is not good. And I think Kendricks is going to play almost all the snaps there. So love that pick. In the eighth round, I took someone that, I probably am not as high on as a lot of IDP analysts, but I took Quiddy Pay um, purely for the upside. I, you know, he still hasn't put it together yet, but there is a, a pretty good chance that he could do it this year. Yeah, man. I was just listening to the, uh, the Dynasty defensive lineman episode with Josh, Adam, and Bobby, and they were just talking about him. And I agree, like, he's really exciting. The defensive line situation is interesting i don't really know who's gonna get all of the work um, but quitty pay has definitely shown me enough to to give me some confidence that he's going to be at least somewhat productive with a few spike weeks and you got him in the eighth round quitty pay went at the 407 
in the league that I'm in, and you got him in the eighth round. That's crazy, <sighs> dude. I'm. Yeah, that, that was my main draft strategy. You know, just just <laughs> take the guys at value. Heck yeah, just take, and just take all the players four rounds later than the other drafts. I think that's a pretty good strategy. Yeah, that's that's a great strategy. <laughs> and you're looking at the uh, the redraft ADP, the best ball ADP sheet to do that. So props to you for having those resources laid out and using them to your advantage. Because holy smokes, Quiddy Paint in the eighth round. Um, we might just have to cut this episode off short so I can go cry about how jealous I am of your draft, but I'll power through, make it to the ninth round where you've probably got like Aaron Donald or something. Um, <laughs> how did your, how did your ninth round pick look? Well, I got, uh, the IDP show darling, Brian Asamoa, mm. who again, I don't think I am quite as high as a lot of people are. Um, you know, he's going to be a linebacker too in what's looking to be a a man-centered defense. So maybe it's not going to be – I don't think he really has crazy upside, but at this point in the draft, I just needed a good linebacker. So he gives me a solid floor. You're going to laugh at me in a little bit, Um, but I I do love that. I do love that pick, Brian Asamoa. You're you're absolutely right. I feel like the variance associated with him is intriguing because it's going to be him – or it's going to be uh, Jordan Hicks. I don't really think there's going to be a very productive linebacker two role there. So it kind of depends on who gets the number one spot. But I mean, Brian Osamoa in the ninth. At that point, you just got to get your value where you can. And I feel like maybe at this point in the draft, more linebackers had gone in your league maybe than had gone in my league. Uh, because um, I'm just looking at the guys available at that point in my draft here. And um, well, we'll get into it in a little bit, but. I'll talk about my next pick first because I went with Marcus Davenport with the uh, 9-11. Never forget. Um, but <laughs> that was so unnecessary. Sorry. Sorry, you guys. Out of nowhere from way downtown. But Marcus Davenport in the ninth round. I love Marcus Davenport. I think he's really slept on. I think he's a talented player. I think much like Chase Young, he's just struggled with injury. And I think on this new defensive line, he's going to be really productive opposite Daniil Hunter. We've seen Daniil Hunter be productive with Zadaria Smith. And now Marcus Davenport is stepping into what I believe is going to be a very high volume role. I don't know if you see it the same way, but the fact that his ADP has not spiked as much as I expected it to, I feel like is a testament to the market being maybe a little bit too low on him. I'm actually going to scroll on our best ball sheet, Davenport, and see just how much his ADP has jumped since he signed. He's moved up a bit. He's moved up almost three rounds. He used to go a lot later, but even still, he's going as the edge 37 and the defensive lineman 51 overall. I feel like that's too low. I don't know if you agree with me there, but I'll, I'll hear your take in a sec. But before I do, I, I have to get a little tiny little brag, right? You keep getting these home runs with all these insane values. I also took Brian Asamoah with the 10-2. And so Ooh. that, you know, all the, all the, analysis that I just gave about him still applies here. You and I, I think, have a lot of overlap on our teams and a lot of very similar thinking with why we like Brian Asamoah. I was in agreement with you. I needed a linebacker that I thought could be a good mainstay for my team, and so that's why I went with him there. But what are your thoughts there on those two guys? Yeah, I mean, I already gave my thoughts on Asamoah, and you got him full round later than me, so that's pretty pretty sweet. Davenport, uh, he didn't go until the 14th round in my league. 
Um, I didn't take him. Uh, I probably should have, but he he's going to play every snap. There's he has no competition there. Um, I guess I'm a little worried about that Vikings defense in general. Uh, the D line, you know, they have Daniel Hunter, but outside of that, it's kind of it's kind of ugly. But there's no way that he could be worse than last year. So I like it. Yeah, that's fair. I feel like my biggest worry with Davenport is just somebody else taking him. So I have probably been the reason his ADP has jumped up as much as it has, because I'm not worried to let him fall. Uh, But getting him in the 14th round probably seems a little bit more reasonable considering I take him so high above ADP. But as long as you didn't take him, I guess I feel a little bit better (laughs) about that. Who did you end up taking in the 10th round? Um, Well, I was shooting for another... Another floor play at linebacker. That, that's kind of what the linebacker position is in these drafts. It's, you're looking for a good floor, except for the dual Desi guys. Those those guys can have the upside. But I took Denzel Perryman at the 1007. Um, I think he's gonna he's gonna get that Mike linebacker role in Houston and be very productive. I love that pick. That's so nice. Talk about another IDP show guy. Macri's in love with him. Has him ranked as his linebacker 15, and you got him in the 10th round. That is. Beautiful. Well, uh, we might get to talk about him a little bit more later. <laughs> um, this is insane. I'm going to be honest. I I didn't really dive too much into your team before we started this, so I'm kind of surprised at just how much overlap we have. But before we talk a little more about him, I'd love to hear who you got in the 11th round. Well, here I was shooting for some more upside. I got another dual Desi guy in Preston Smith. Mm. Um I don't, I don't really know what his snap counts can look like this year, but I really believe in that Green Bay D line. So I want to get pieces of it. And he was also, um, he was also the highest ranked guy on the board for me. Yeah, I, I do like Preston Smith. I don't know how I feel about him specifically. Like Lucas Van Ness is there, Rashawn Gary will be there eventually, and then Preston Smith is the other guy. So it's those three dudes. I don't really know what the rotation is going to look like. I assume that's why his ADP is as low as it is, but I totally agree with you. The upside is absolutely there. Preston Smith is going to get sacks. He's going to be playing a lot of snaps and maybe this is a better best ball play than it is a redraft play. Cause you don't, or I guess like a, a managed play because you don't need to pick your weeks. You just get him when he's good. So I, I do love Preston Smith there in the 11th. Now, I needed some more linebackers because I only had three true off-ball linebackers at that point in the draft. So I went with Nick Morrow of the Vikings. Sorry, the Vikings. I'm still looking at Brian Osamoa here of the Eagles. Now, how do you feel? I don't know if you've seen those recent reports about, I think his name's Christian Ellis, possibly challenging Nick Morrow for his job. Have you seen those reports? I have not, but now I'm concerned because we have some more overlap here. Oh, no. Oh, no. (laughs) This is too good, man. This is hilarious. Um, I'm not super concerned. I think they brought in Nick Morrow for a reason, and I think he's been a mainstay in basically every place that he's been. So I'm not really that concerned, especially because the Eagles defense is looking for veteran leadership. So I'm not super concerned, but I'm in two IDP leagues with Macri, and he picked up Christian Ellis in both leagues last night. So that's got to mean something. He definitely knows what he's up to. And guess what? In the 12th round, I took Denzel Perryman. So I also have him on my team. And I'm going to guess that you have Nick Morrow on your team. So this is going to be pretty funny. Uh, but yeah, dude, Denzel Perryman, the the 
the Texans linebacker situation, I feel like is going to be super, super valuable. It was great last year. Now we have a new head coach coming over, but a similar defensive system as far as having two linebackers on the field for a very, very high percentage of snaps and calling zone coverage at a rate that's going to be very good for their tackle efficiency. Denzel Perryman, dude, I feel like he's so underrated simply because people don't know if it's going to be him or Christian Kirksey or Christian Harris. I, I think you and I both agree Denzel Perryman is is going to either start off with that job or earn it at some point in the season 100%. and be an absolute an absolute beast through the season. Uh, how do you feel about uh, Nick Morrow before we talk about your 12th round pick? Yeah, I like Nick Morrow. Um, I think N'Kobe Dean's going to be the linebacker one there. Maybe not at the start of the season, but for the majority of the season at least. But they're definitely going to want a veteran behind him that's getting quite a bit of snaps. So, yeah, I like that pick, but I like him more in the 14th round. Or, the yeah, the 14th round where I got him. Oh, my. What the heck, man? This is uh, <laughs> this is so frustrating. <laughs> Uh, the listeners are, are getting a taste of my competitive side, but we have two more picks before you got Nick Morrow. So who did you get in the 12th round? Well, in the 12th round, I forgot that I was on the clock and got auto picked, but it ended up working out pretty good. I got Legereus Sneed, who was the DB one last year. Uh, definitely expect some significant regression this year, but you never know. I mean, I don't love taking a DB in the 12th round, but it's not the worst thing either. Yeah, Legereus Need is definitely not a bad guy to get auto-picked, especially, and you said the 12th round. He went in the 6th round in my draft. Granted, Sauce Gardner went at the 209 in my draft, so my draft was very DB-heavy. Um, it could be worse. It definitely could be worse. Uh, but hey, uh, it happens to the best of us. It happened to me too, but I'll talk about it a little bit later. So you got Legereus Need in the 12th. Was, was there a guy you were hoping for there, at least? Maybe what was your thought process going into that pick? Um, I probably would have gone with David Ojabo there. Um, I think he has a ton of upside this year, but I can't really complain about Legereus Need either. I'm very good at D-line anyways. Yeah. So how about your 13th pick? What did that one look like? I ended up doubling down on, D on DB here because I, I saw quite a bit of linebackers on the board that I still liked. So I, I went with Javon Holland. Um, now, it's really not my favorite pick. I think maybe I should have gone linebacker there again because, you know, you can always get similar DBs later. But I don't hate the Javon Holland pick. He's, he's going to be on the field every snap, and I love that Miami defense. Yeah, man, I'm excited to see how they use him there i'm also excited to see who the heck takes over the strong safety role if indeed there is one is it going to be deshaun elliott is it going to be brandon jones i don't know if you have a take there maybe you can share your thoughts on that actually real quick before we get into the next thing i i have no idea um, yeah yeah that's Vic, i think uh i think the most likely scenario is that they all get some time in the box vic fangio you know he's known for rotating his safeties post-snap and disguising his coverages. So I think they'll they'll all get snap snaps in the box. That spells good things for Javon Holland then, which makes sense as to why you took him. So that's that's super duper fair. And yeah, I, actually, what? so you, you were looking at Javon Holland there. You were comfortable with some of the linebackers that were remaining. What, what were some of those linebackers that you were looking at as far as 
I like all these guys, but I don't really see there being a big tier break between all of them. And I think I might be able to get them later. Who were some of those guys that you were considering? Um, I was obviously Nick Morrow, who I took with my next pick, but also more boring guys like uh, that, that are just going to get snaps. Like Leighton Van Der Esch, not sexy at all. Anthony Walker, Rob, Robert Spillane boring picks like that that i'm i'm totally fine with taking in yeah and rounds honestly i like nick morrow more than all of those guys i feel like he's got more upside so i'm sure, sure you were pretty stoked to get him in the 14th round uh, but before we get to that pick my next two picks i oh I, we actually talked about him a little earlier on this episode grady jarrett i don't have a whole lot of grady jarrett and i really don't draft too many defensive tackles unless they're a lot later um but it was really, really late, a lot later than ADP. It was the 13th round. And I think that defensive line is going to be a lot more improved in Atlanta. They brought in a lot of talent. And I think that it's going to be at least better than it was last year. Grady Jarrett, perennially underrated as an interior uh, pass rusher. I think he's going to have some spike weeks, some spike weeks, excuse me. Also, because I got sniped. And Landon Roberts went one pick before I went, and I really wanted him. So I got... You know, I don't want to say discount Landon Roberts, but another linebacker who's going to be a number two in his system and play a decent amount of snaps. I got Cody Barton in the 14th round, Cody Farton, as he's more endearingly termed by the John Macri. Um, not super excited. I just wanted a guy that was going to see some snaps. I was about to start taking DBs, and I figured, well, I just want guys that are going to soak up some volume before I jump into the DB well. Uh, any thoughts on those two guys before... Uh, we talk about your 14th and more importantly, your 15th round pick. Yeah, I think Grady Jarrett is a phenomenal value at that point in the draft. Um, I'm trying to f- see where he went in mine. I'm, uh, the ninth round. Yeah, so that that is very good value. Um, yeah, he, he's not that much worse than the top D tackles in the game. He's really right there in that second tier. So I'm not sure why he's going so late. So how about your 15th round pick? We talked about Nick Moore already. I don't think we need to spend too much more time on that unless you say otherwise. But uh, what were you thinking when you were going around into your 15th round pick? I, I, I really just saw a player on the, on the board that should not have been there and was way, way past ADP. So I just, I just pressed the button. It was Ed Oliver. He's not, um, he's not the sexiest player. None of the D tackles really are, but... I think that Buffalo D-line should be much improved this year. So the sack upside is still there. Yeah, man. Ed Oliver went in the 10th round in my draft. So I feel like this is just you and I victory lapping how good our drafts were, except you're doing a much better job at it. And yeah, I think this is really just a great example of why big plays are so important in this big three scoring format. Where, where big plays are valued so heavily. This is not a league where linebackers are getting three points every single time You know they fall into a player. Like They really, really need to earn these big plays, and so this scoring format's going to really value players with those talented big plays. And Ed, Ed Oliver is absolutely that kind of a talent where he's going to get after the quarterback, and he's going to have a couple weeks here and there where he gets a uh, sackle every single time, man, every single time. He's going to get a sack, but... But man, that's such good value in the 15th round. Um, I was asleep for my 15th and 16th round pick, but thankfully I set my cue. 
ladies and gentlemen, set your cues, please. Um, it could have been a lot worse. It definitely could have been a lot worse. But I got Baron Browning and Drake Jackson. There was not much of a thought process going into it because I didn't make those picks voluntarily. Um, but Baron Browning, it's a really crowded, uh, really crowded Broncos edge rushing unit. He had a couple spike weeks last year. He had like four weeks in a row where he looked like just the best edge rusher in all of football and then, you know, came back down to earth and got injured. So we'll see what it looks like with him now that they have Drew Sanders. Uh, Randy Gregory is still there. They brought in Zach Allen. I'm not really that concerned, at least as much as other people are. I don't really think Drew Sanders is going to take a bunch of snaps away from him. I don't think Zach Allen is going to play the same spot. I think Zach Allen's going to be more of an interior guy. So I'm not as concerned about him as some of the guys in Kentucky are. Um, before we talk about Drake Jackson, do you have any concerns with Baron Browning's usage this year? Or are you pretty kind of lukewarm on him? Yeah, pretty lukewarm. I'm I'm very unsure of what's going to happen in, with the Denver edges. But Baron Browning's upside in the 15th round can't be overstated. I think that's that's a... It makes it clear that like you wanna you wanna be able to attack these D linemen late when you can at value because in a in a big three scoring format like this, the upside of someone like Baron Browning is is just huge. Yeah. And talking about the upside of an edge rusher, Drake Jackson of the 49ers, he's gonna be opposite Nick Bosa. And that role was previously filled by the duo of Charles Omenihue and Samson Ebicam, I I don't really see who else there is going to soak up a lot of snaps. They brought in Javon Hargrave. They have Eric Armstead. Those guys are both mostly interior defenders. And I think Drake Jackson's going to see a lot of volume on the outside. And I think he's really talented. So do I think he's some supreme talent? Like, do I think he's going to be some Jalen Phillips, like ascended player? No, but as a 16th round, he was my last non DB pick. So I figured what the heck? Let's get a guy that at the very least is going to get a quarterback flushed out of the pocket towards him. And he could, you know, stumble into a sack every once in a while. Um, do you have any thoughts there on Drake Jackson before you talk about your own 16th round pick? Yeah, I love that pick. He went in the ninth round of my draft and he is going to get a ton of snaps on an elite defensive line. So I don't think it really matters how good he is. That is going to be a super valuable position just being on the field with that kind of d-line yeah man oh i appreciate you hyping me up there for a little bit um I, that makes me feel a lot better about getting drake jackson there in the 16th who'd you get in the 16th i went with nate hobbs um he i, th I believe he's ranked as the db3 at um on the idp show best ball ranks and being able to get him is like I don't know, it's the DB 40 or 50. I think that's pretty good value. He's going to, he has a lot of, I think he has a pretty high tackle floor. Um, I hope he'll be working more in the slot this year. That uh, that Raiders defense, there are just so many tackles up in the air that we don't know where they're going to go. I think Nate Hobbs um, could take a lot of them. Dude, Nate, Nate Hobbs is an exciting guy. He's usually the guy that's near the top of the remaining DBs when I start actually stepping back into or stepping into at all the DB waters. So I, I like that pick. That's right about where I believe he deserves to go. And uh, who did you end up getting in the 17th round? 
17th round, back to the boring late round linebackers with Robert Spillane um, and another Raider. I got three Raiders, which does not feel good. That team's going to be horrible. But I think Spillane is the clear uh, LB2 there. So, you know, that's a decent floor pick in the 17th round. It kind of makes up for my uh, auto-drafted Sneed pick in the 12th round. That kind of made me push the linebackers back down a little bit. Yeah, and if you were going to end up with three Raiders at their costs or, you know, way below their costs, I feel like those are the guys that you'd want to get. Divine Diablo is is nice, but I think points relative to ADP, Robert Spillane is going significantly later. And I'll note, in leagues that aren't full of people who have some semblance of sharpness, Robert Spillane is going to go significantly later. Um, random side topic but i was talking with somebody who's in a best ball league not a best ball but just an idp league that's not in this community and they were looking through their waivers trying to find guys that they could add to their team and they were showing me what their waivers looked like and it was absolutely barren there was not a soul out there but robert spillane was there and i was like wow i there are guys being rostered that i believe are significantly less valuable than robert spillane and yet here he is and so i feel like that's just a good example of the fact that this guy's going to be pretty slept on in other leagues. So maybe if our listeners here have other IDP leagues with league mates that aren't as degenerate as they are or as we are, Robert's plan is going to be significantly cheaper. And talk about getting him cheaper. He went in the 12th round in my draft to Mace. So, you know, shout out Mace for getting Robert's Spillane, but shout out Evan for getting him in the absolute lowest part. You could probably get him before DB start going, which is the 17th round. Now, talking about my own 17th round pick, I ended my draft going eight straight DBs. I know your draft is not done yet. I think you said you're in the 18th round. Is that correct? Yeah, that was my last pick. Okay, so I'm not going to put you on the spot to spoil some of the guys that you are looking at going up. And I'm also not going to give your league mates too many names to snipe from you because if I know anything about the way we drafted, there's a lot of overlap. But I will say... I was looking at Nate Hobbs with my first DB pick. I ended up going somewhere else. Um, But listeners, if you guys want to know some good DBs to get, you can always check out the IDP show, Redraft ADP, which you can find on the idpshow.com. I will say my general criteria, and I feel like this is at least fair to say, my general criteria for for DBs that I'm looking at, I, I really don't have it nailed down to a science yet i feel like you can either get players who are safeties that i believe are going to spend a lot of time in the box because that's good correlation to tackle efficiency you can get nickel cornerbacks who are going to have a good balance between some big plays but also getting some good tackles or you could get outside cornerbacks who are not going to have as good of tackle efficiency but might have more spike weeks with interceptions do you have a thought process there yet or are we all just kind of flying by the seat of our pants yeah so i play a lot of true position leagues and in those formats i completely don't value the cornerbacks at all uh, I'll, I'll literally pick them with the last picks of the draft every time but i think because it's a best ball league and it's big play focused that the cornerback position is much more interesting i i mean two of my three DBs so far are corners. And I, I like it a lot because of just the spike week potential in IDP. Um, 
I don't want to have to plug cornerbacks into my lineup, but if I can get those spike weeks in best ball, I think that's, that's the route that I want to go. Yeah, I think so. I ended up going with eight DBs. Three of my DBs were nickel corners. One, two, three, three of them were safeties, deep safeties at that. And then two of them were outside corners on teams that I'm not out here. Like, super, super excited about. I'll just say their names, Patrick Peterson, Charvarius Ward. Like those are guys that I'm just like, well, they'll probably get some tackles and maybe get an interception here or there. Um, if you guys are in Evans league, don't be mean, don't snipe them. Um, but I only went with eight DBs. So I ended up basically what I do is I count how many players I have eligible at each position. So I'll count out all my DL eligible players. Then I'll count up all my linebacker eligible players. And then I'll count up all of my DB eligible players and just make sure that I have enough at each position. I think I ended up, well, let's count it up. We've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I got 10 DL eligible players. I think I got 10 linebacker eligible players. And then I got eight DB eligible players. How many DBs do you think you're aiming for? How many do you feel like is a good range have you given it that much thought or maybe am I getting a little too into the weeds as we close this episode out? Yeah, I think eight is about the right number. I might go nine, but probably not. Right now I'm at nine D-line eligible and eight linebacker eligible. So I, I'll definitely get that up to at least nine and nine, but hopefully, um, hopefully get to maybe 10 linebackers. I don't love the uh, D-line options. At this point in the draft, I think most of them are just wasted picks, but there's you can still find some linebackers with a little bit of potential. So here's a thought for you, because I would like to think that you get to make your next pick before this episode airs. What is your thought process going into this next pick? Who are you looking at and who are you hoping to get? Um, well, I'm looking at Dion Henley again. As we talked about earlier, I think Drew Tranquil is not good. So maybe Dion Henley gets a significant snap share this year. Um, if that doesn't work out, I'm also thinking about maybe if I if I have to go D line, someone like Arnold Abedicetti's on the board still, or Randy Gregory. Neither one have huge seasonal upside, but in a best ball league, I think they have decent week to week upside, like like any D lineman who's on the field. Yeah, man. If I had to choose between those three, I feel like I really like Randy Gregory. I think he's super slept on, but all three options, I feel like if you have to go defensive line, those are all, or I guess linebacker. Um, but I, I feel like those are all pretty decent options. So um, that's really yeah. exciting, dude. I'm, I'm so nervous for this league, especially now that I know how good your team is. So we'll see how you close it out with some defensive backs, but I'm pretty confident that you're going to do a good job. Because you're a smart guy and you know what you're doing. So we'll definitely have to follow this closely and give some updates. Listeners, if any of you guys are in this tournament, in the IDP Madness tournament, we would love to hear your thoughts on how your own draft went. Just share the hashtag IDP Madness and I'll snoop through there and find your tweets and tell you how much better my team is than yours and probably be wrong. Um, but I would love to, to, to see everybody's thoughts on how these drafts turned out. Evan, I'm sure we'll get an update from you when your draft finishes up about who you ended up with at DBs. And we can chat about that a little bit more on the bird app or perhaps the formerly bird app. 
Um, we don't need to get into the details there. Before we close out this episode, Ev, I want to give you a shot to shout out. You have some stuff coming up down the road. We don't want to spoil anything quite yet, do we? Unless you have some thoughts, but definitely give a shout out to your Twitter because it is unfair and quite frankly absurd that you do not have more followers considering the content that you're putting out there and will be putting out down the road. So let's get a quick shout out to that before we close out this episode. Yeah, go follow me over at Evan Ringler FF. Um, I tweet about a lot, a lot of offense, but a little IDP sprinkled in too. Um, I, love I got I got some uh, I got a big project coming soon to playerprofiler.com. That'll be pretty exciting. I don't want to talk about it quite yet, but that should be coming out in the next couple of weeks. So yeah, I love it. I feel like we think about fantasy very similarly. Obviously, you have the data analysis background, but like the actual data analysis background. So I, my data analysis is like you know, amateur stuff in comparison to what I know that you will be coming up with down the road. So I'm really excited to see what you can do with all of the amazing data that you have available to you at player profiler. There's, there's some stuff over there that you just can't get anywhere else. I was kind of snooping on the website the other day, like the separation metrics for wide receivers, like my mind exploded there. So that's, that's some cool stuff. I'm really excited to see what you have coming up in the future. So listeners again, at Evan Ringler FF is where you can find Evan Ringler on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at IDP Evan. Go ahead and let us know how bad our teams actually are on Twitter. But we'll catch you on the next episode. Make sure you go check out that hashtag IDP Madness. Go check out the IDPshow.com for the draft kit so that you guys can be just as prepared as Evan was to dominate your draft. And we'll catch you on the next one. This has been the IDP After Show. Peace out. This was the IDP After Show.